Chapter 4, Through Deep Sky. Keep your hands on that crane if you want your cotton back in one piece, Taylor. Stork and Magnus stood on the Dream's forward deck, a makeshift salvage crane between them, with Madforge himself supervising. Magnus, how long we stuck here for? Only as long as it takes to lower our hapless shipmates to their almost certain doom. Lucky them. Stork glanced over at the Mad Doctor, who had been constantly reprimanding him as he operated the lone device. I'd rather be in deep sky than up here with the Doc. You see something there, Stocky? It's Stork, pal. That's why I said, wasn't it? Our friend here clearly needs reminded that we're the ones helping him. Nickel kept her eyes trained on them both, clearly not as eager to aid them as her captain. It was pitch black, and had been for more than ten minutes. Mary gazed out of the pod's rusted window, trying to spot any signs of... well, anything. She wasn't having much luck. Ugh, I've never seen anything so... so unseeable. Does that count as seeing something? I don't know. I should have asked Doc Madforge for a lamp or two. Ha! I bet that would have cost extra. Especially if that nickel had anything to do with him. Oh, she's not so bad. Just a little sharp-edged. Reb rubbed his bandaged hand as he spoke. Sure is one heck of a fighter, though. No wonder she works under a big shot captain. How... how do you do it? Huh? How are you so calm? She smacked you around like some no-name deckhand. Didn't that bruise your ego in the slightest? I know you have one. Everyone has an ego, Mary. Some of us more than others. Reb smiled calmly, looking straight at her. What's that supposed to mean? Means it wasn't my ego that got bruised, was it? Ugh! Just because I'm your cabin girl doesn't give you the right to talk down to me! This crew's all kinds of messed up! I thought I was joining the best of the best! I don't believe I ever advertised as such. In fact, I don't recall advertising at all. Only thing that comes to my mind was a little rascal constantly following me around the Silver City begging to join the Crossing Dream Pirates. <laughs> yeah, well, you could have told me Miss Bueller had left, you know. She's the only reason I had any intention of joining up with a fraud like you! Fraud? You saying you don't believe I helped take down the Black Blood Dynasty? Why, Mary, you wound me. He laughed, <laughs> comically clutching his chest in false pain. Mary slumped into her seat folding her arms and snorting at him. <laughs> I bet it was Ventina and Spanner who did all the work. You just played poster boy after the fact. You know, we didn't exactly do it alone. We had a lot of help. I think anyone could have taken down the dynasty with the kind of backup we had. What kind of backup? I thought there were only the three of you. Uh, I don't think anyone would understand, even if I tried to explain it. Let's just say it was a one-time-only deal. We don't do that thing anymore. <laughs> so when push comes to shove, you're just some nobody. Just like me. You don't believe that for a second. <laughs> yeah? How would you know? Hmm, well, maybe you'll get it once you grow up. I'm 17 and two-thirds. I'm not a child. Don't worry about it. I was a late bloomer myself. <laughs> As Reb laughed, the pot began to shake abruptly 
The pressure of deep sky was starting to affect the pod's descent. Marbles? What the heck was that? Pressure change. A big one. Cross your fingers there aren't too many more of those. Reb ran his finger along the window seal, testing the frayed rubber edges. Let's hope this one's got enough life left in her to get us back up. <laughs> Mary gulped, forgetting her anguish from earlier, now far more concerned with what was going on outside the pod than within. Just then, a loud wail erupted, deafening them both. That's not something you hear every day. In amongst the dark clouds, a faint green light began to glow. It grew steadily brighter and larger. Hey, Mary! Mary, check this out! You are not gonna believe it! It's a deep sky whale! There was no response. Reb turned his gaze away from the glowing creature to see Mary curled into a ball on the floor, shaking profusely at the sound it was emitting. Mary? Is it gone? Huh? The will, is it gone? Um, I guess. It wasn't really close. It kind of just passed by. I'd say a good 500 meters away. You do know they're harmless, right? The pod probably just scared it off. Nuts. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of sky whales. She was so quiet, Reb could barely make her out. What's that? Not. Not a fan of sky whales. I... see. How much longer? Reb could tell she wasn't taking this leg of the trip too well, and glanced over at the depth gauge. According to the aged and globular red liquid inside the tube, they were nearing the base of deep sky. In a few more minutes, they would be emerging into surface airspace. Almost there. Say, this will be your first time seeing the surface, right? Why don't you, um, come up off the floor and take a look at my window? It's gonna be quite a view. The whale's gone, right? Long gone. Totally. Bet he saw my face and was like, nope, nope, not going anywhere near that guy. Mary stifled a laugh, finally uncurling herself. She slowly stepped towards Reb's seat, peering cautiously out the viewing hole. Soon. The blackness of deep sky began to fade, the cloud formations more apparent, and the pod's erratic motions became smoother. There! I see the cloud bottom. Alrighty. Get ready for awesome! The pod burst through the cloud base. A venerable eruption of black cloud particles scattering in all directions as they did. The sunlight once more in effect, Mary glimpsed the largest stretch of land she had seen in her 17 years of life. It's just, it keeps going and going. Pretty flip, huh? Reb couldn't hold back his smug satisfaction that he was providing a fellow Skycadian with such an amazing experience. Though he himself had visited the surface countless times before, he couldn't shake the feeling of wonder it brought to him. Are those villages? Huh? Those? Nah, those are full-on cities. We're still pretty high up. I'd say we got a little while to go before we can safely drop, so kick back, dig in the view, and cross your fingers we don't run out of cable. The pod continued unhindered towards the surface, finally stopping around 5,000 meters from ground level. Reb spun the lock wheel securing the pod's doors and forced them open. Okay, hop on my back. <laughs> 
We're skydiving the rest of the way. Wait, you can still use your CP down here? I thought the surface skies didn't have any cloud particles. They don't, but I do. Rev held up a pocket-sized capsule filled to the brim with blue cloud particles. He uncorked it, allowing the azure smoke to flow freely. Learned that trick from a dynasty admiral. She kept purple cloud particles in this big scythe of hers, and then she could freeze stuff. And people. Ice? Like Miss Bueller's CP? Well, yeah, but Tina's way better at it. Oh, wait. If we see her again, don't tell her I said that. In, in fact, don't tell her I told you about her sister being an admiral either. Her sister was a dynasty admiral? Oh, whoops. You know what? I'm just gonna shut up and jump. Rev threw Mary onto his back and leapt from the bomb, the air around him coursing past at an ever-accelerating rate. Mary held on for dear life as they plummeted towards the surface below. I don't know how you can get used to this madness. Me neither. I just do. Moments before impact, Reb flipped upright, his blue particle cushion saving them from certain death as they landed gently on the soil. Mary leapt off, staggering to find her balance, and ended up headfirst in a nearby bush. Ugh. Reb ignored her, preferring to get his bearings first. He produced a small, spanner-approved gizmo from his coat. They had landed in a wooded area, thick with trees, and not a soul about, save the occasional surface squirrel. Okay, let's see. If Magnus's calculations were correct, and judging from the angle of the object's descent, the crash site would be... three days' journey that away. Three days? Couldn't we have landed any closer? Eh, don't sweat it. That's three days' walking. We are gonna be zooming. Reb stretched out his legs one by one, warming up his muscles, his cloud particles spinning around his feet like mini tornadoes. Back on. He hoisted Mary yet again, securing her to his back. <clears throat> this is getting ridiculous. Do you only keep me around because I'm the easiest to carry? It's definitely one of the reasons. Now, you're about to find out why I decided to learn blue cloud particle manipulation. Uh-huh. Why? Because it lets you do this. Reb catapulted forward the spiraling airwaves enshrouding his feet, carrying them faster than the eye could track. Purple Stratus, the capital city of Vanavola. A hooded figure strut through the icy streets, passing numerous warmly dressed civilians. Dropping the hood, Fantina Bueller cast her gaze at a pile of frostbitten human corpses, left to rot at the mouth of a nearby alleyway. Dynasty or not, some things never change. She replaced her hood, making for a large gated manor at the town center. Two guards greeted her, unbarring the pathway to the front entrance in a timely fashion. Once inside, she strutted past no less than 14 maids and manservants, each one dressed more finely than the last. Throwing open a set of jewel-encrusted double doors, she entered the manor's drawing room, tossed her cloak to one side, and sank into a couch five times too big for her. Kaylee? A young maid approached from the room's eastern wall. Yes, your ladyship. Any noteworthy male? Only one, your ladyship. Though it isn't male as such. Rather, a man. Inside an envelope. Oh no. Please, not today. The southern doors opened. Two burly maids carrying a gigantic envelope the clear shape of a human male protruding from within. Fantina put her head in her hands as they placed it on the carpeted floor before her and departed. Would you like me to open it for you, my lady? 
No need, fair maiden. I believe the time for secrecy has well and truly passed. The envelope burst open, a familiar face appearing from within. It is I, Mike Maelstrom. Oh, goodness. What a wonderful surprise for you, my ladyship. It would seem Air Marshal Mike Maelstrom himself has come to pay you a special, unannounced visit. Yes, Kaylee. I can see that. Greetings, Miss Bueller. I apologize for the spy tactics, but a man in my position cannot travel the skyways in normal fashion, especially all the way to the glorious Bueller estate of Purple Stratus. And if I may be so bold, what was so important that my commanding officer had to come to my home in person rather than simply contacting me via our secure channel. Fantina tapped her earpiece, clearly not happy to see her guest. Some things are too sensitive for the skywaves, my dear, and this is most assuredly one of them. In fact, I'm afraid I'll have to ask young Miss Kaylee here to give us a moment of absolute privacy. Of course, I shall dismiss myself at once. No, please, anything but that. Kaylee, Kaylee, get back here. Fantina's command fell on deaf ears, leaving her and Air Marshal Maelstrom alone in the sprawling room. She sighed, finally accepting the fact she would have to hear him out. Look, if this is about Reb, then... No, certainly not. Though I would appreciate it if you could hurry that business along. Marshal Carver is starting to think we're just letting him get away. But, my rambunctious son aside, I am here to discuss a matter of the utmost importance. Relating to the disaster at the Trans Sky Bridge, no doubt. Possibly. That's what I'm hoping you'll help us find out. This is an order directly from all three air marshals. A trigram order? But those are- The highest authority given to the Sky Police operatives, countermandable by no one but the Sky Council themselves. Even then, it would take a unanimous vote from all six members. So you can imagine how serious this little affair of ours is. I'm a privateer. I'm not even stationed at headquarters. Surely one of your chiefs would be better suited to this. Frankly, Fantina, you're the only one who has a chance of cracking this one wide open. Also, excepting myself and the other marshals, you're without a doubt the strongest operative we've got. He handed her a small cube, pressing it tightly into her palm. Don't open it till you reach your destination. And do not share this with anyone, Sky Police or otherwise. Here, the coordinates are marked down on the lower face of the cube. Sir, what is going on? What does this have to do with the Skybridge disaster? Hopefully nothing. But I've got a funny feeling we won't be so lucky. Outside, the Stratus snow grew heavier, the winds howling ominously as the marshal departed. Fantina checked the reverse side of the cube, revealing her destination. She recognized the coordinates instantly. Any sailor worth their salt would have. They marked the northernmost tip of the Purple Stratus landmass, an area known only as the Crash Site, the one place in Skycadia where no skyship could fly. Any that dared enter its boundaries would instantly drop from the sky like a rock. End Chapter 4 You have been listening to the vocal talents of Luvian Chen, Christine Choi, Elliot Glasser, Paul Hughes, Ali Smith, Liz Mori, and Michael Page. Promotional photography by Daniel Wright 
and Eleanor Jameson Chang. If you enjoyed our work and would like to support our creations here at Page Productions, then please turn your attention to the video description to see how you can help us in continuing to offer wholesome and exciting fantasy content. Without you, we would not be here. Thank you for your time. And hashtag, never give up. Look forward to our next episode.